a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome, Welcome back, back to Inside Sources. I got us. I got us. It's not David Dujanovic. It's Boyd Matheson's on, Inside Sources, and it's not, it's not Boyd David. Matheson. It's Greg Scordis and Marty Carpenter, and we're making our way through some of the big topics going on today. And mostly we're doing that with one eye on the uh, World Cup as well, where the U.S. is hanging on to a 1-0 lead so, in the 88th minute. Marty, I've practiced law for 40 years, and during that entire time, I've probably visited the Point of the Mountain prison at least once a month. I mean, I— Plus the four years you serve, right? <laughs> plus, yeah, plus leading up to that, yeah. But it was, it's, it's, I know it's a creepy place and people don't like it, but I've been in every, I think, building out there. They're named after mountains. There's Timpanogos and Wasatch and the Orker unit and, and a couple of others. And then we built the Gunnison prison and it was a big sort of warehouse place for people to, to spend more time and do more programming. And, and actually turned out, I shouldn't have used the word warehouse, but it, it, it was, it's been a good facility. But the point of the mountain sort of ran its course and the people of Draper were like, okay, it's somebody else's turn uh, to get some a prison in their backyard. And it shifted to Salt Lake. Well, really you had, you know, Salt Lake County with the state capital and the large sort of metro center that's centered in downtown Salt Lake. And then you had down in Utah County in the point of the mountain area just beyond uh, – just south of where the prison site was, growing to become Silicon Slopes and becoming this economic center. You had a university, a couple of universities down in Utah County, UVU and Brigham Young University at the University of Utah here. It was just growing to be the kind of area where it didn't make a whole lot of sense to have that much ground designated for a penitentiary where you could relocate that, probably needed to do it anyway because of the age of the buildings and the facilities there, and give you this opportunity where – the state has this massive amount of land that oh, it huge. owns and controls and could do something really great with. And I think one of the first things they did, and I'm going to admit some bias here because Alan Matheson is a friend and a, and a longtime colleague, but I, I don't think they could have put a smarter person in charge of figuring out what to do to maximize the benefit of that uh, space. And Alan Matheson is uh, joining us today. He is head of The Point. And so, Alan, uh, first, thanks for joining us. And second, let me get to The Point. You went and saw them make a, a big advancement forward today in a site where you're going to build some pretty cool stuff. We did. You know, any project of this size has some key milestones. And today was one of those milestones. It was uh, a day when we started demolition of the existing facility. So there's been a lot of public process and visioning and planning, but uh, now we're on the ground and working toward creating this publicly led vision that's going to be known as the point. And Alan, uh, before we get off the demolition, I mean, this is a this is a 
a huge undertaking. I mean, that prison had been expanded and new new facilities built and new buildings built uh, over the years. I mean, this has to be a project like we've never seen in this state. This is going to be a significant project, and the demolition is uh, challenging. You might imagine that they didn't build those facilities to come down easily. And so there's a lot of concrete, a lot of rebar. But I talked to the demolition team today. They're trying to recycle as much as they can for reuse at the site. Uh, It's going to take a number of months to do. And frankly, uh, you know, there are probably going to be some surprises along the way. But uh, we got to start today uh, taking down a tower. uh, Find some missing inmates (laughs) among them. Hopefully, no surprises. I think everybody's speculating. Everyone's speculating that we'll find tunnels here and there, but who knows? A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Shawshank Redemption spoilers aside, uh, let's. Uh, t- I think the point is is one of those projects, Alan, that people hear about the point or the inland port or other things that are going on in the state. And general consciousness is sort of, oh, I kind of know what that is. So maybe you could give us just a nice overview to remind the audience what is going to be at the point and what are we really trying to put in place there? What's the vision behind it? Well, I think, uh, you know, we don't realize here what an opportunity this is. We've had uh, people from all over the country, planners and developers and others say, this is probably the premier infill development anywhere in the country over the next few years. Now, we've got to realize that opportunity. And so we're trying to develop what will be an innovation community, meaning a place where ideas can be generated, research done, uh, incubators, accelerators, venture capital, and really create some not just new businesses, but solutions to some of the challenges that we face. So that's part of it. But beyond that, it'll be a great welcoming mixed-use community. So think parks and trails, uh, entertainment centers, really premier shopping districts. There will be offices where we think some of the top companies in the world will want to locate. So it'll be kind of a new downtown hub and done in a way that tries to address some of the challenges that we're facing with growth. So using significantly less water, having transportation systems, including internal circulators and scooters and e-bikes and uh, electric vehicle charging and other things that dramatically reduce the need for uh, private vehicles. I think all of these things help us preserve what we really care about in Utah, even as we grow. Alan, talk to us about the, the housing that you expect down there. I mean, you've talked about uh, a big uh, urban center with businesses and, and transportation and, and sort of outdoor areas. Are there also going to be housing down there? Yeah, housing's critical, and it'll be kind of a range of housing. Our goal is to create 
uh, a real uh, genuine community with people from all walks of life, different ages, and uh, specifically to be able to ensure that those who work at the site can live at the site at different income levels. And that's important for a number of reasons. One, to create that sense of community, but also to reduce the need to commute. And that's part of the sustainability strategy in this project. So, Alan, where are we in the planning of that? Like, you've outlined some things that that will be a part of this. How detailed is the plan at this point? How much have we, uh, by we, I mean, how much have you and your group decided on what's going to actually be there and how much of it is sort of still in the general idea of what you want to get done? Well, we started with a framework plan that, again, was based on a lot of public input, and that came out a little over a year ago. Uh, We've also this year been in the process of selecting development partners and that was a a rigorous uh, process that took several months we wanted to make sure we got it right and so we've got uh, a development partner in place if we can reach a a development agreement and they're refining the plan for phase one this group is going to uh, take down Uh, the hub of the site, the central area where the the key business and retail and mixed-use district will be. And those plans are uh, pretty well refined at this point. And we'll be sharing them with the public within the next few weeks so that people have a much better sense for what's going to happen there. And I'll tell you, what I've seen really excites me, and I think others will feel that way as well. Well, you couldn't have picked a colder day to go watch them knock down a building, so hopefully you've uh, thought out a little bit after that and uh, you can get your head in the game for the next phase of this exciting project. Well, I, it was three hours out in the cold, but uh, well worth it when we finally saw that tower go down and uh, be, were able to meet with a lot of people who have an interest in this site and a lot of people who have invested a lot of their time and, and their commitment to making it happen. Alan Matheson is the executive director of the Point of the Mountain State Land Authority. Alan, thanks for taking some time with us, and uh, best of luck as you guys move into this next phase. Well, thanks. I've enjoyed it and uh, appreciate the interest. going to be a little different driving by the Point of the Mountain from now on. All right. We're back with more on Inside Sources after this. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the politics behind the World Cup as we keep our eye on the score in stoppage time. Back after this. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.